for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we're back at it again with another amazing podcast. Sorry, I've been on a little bit of a break, but I was preparing for a uh, fundraiser I was doing this weekend, so I had to take a few days off. But today, we have a very special guest. We have Becky Bowler of the Becky Bowler Band. How's it going today, Becky? That's good, Tom. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to um get to know you a little bit more sit down and chat you know it bluegrass is i would probably consider it the newer genre of music that i've recently been getting into because um back in 2017 i got invited to go to a bluegrass festival and from there just kind of seeing bluegrass in its rawest form of just musicians being there because they want to be there i was just like all right cool let's figure out let, let's start diving deeper into this so where was the festival uh it was in isla Morada. it was uh the baygrass bluegrass festival okay yeah uh, florida keys oh, okay they usually do it on martin luther king jr weekend so like that okay. uh, sunday before okay i haven't heard of that one before yeah. uh gotcha yeah it's a it's yeah. a smaller festival but it's a it's fun it, it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun so mm-hmm. um but first off, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I re- like I said, I really appreciate you giving us the time to sit down and chat. Um, but before we kind of dive deeper into everything that's going on with you, your music, the new album you just released, uh, what's kind of your origin story? What got you into music? What got you started? Well, I come from a very musical family. Um, my parents met in college when my mom told my dad he was playing cheater chords on the guitar. <laughs> and it, it's been all downhill from there. <laughs> but uh, my my family got involved in bluegrass music when I was probably about in kindergarten. Um, my dad had a mandolin, but didn't know what to do with it um, until they went to the Butterfield Threshing Bee in Butterfield, Minnesota, and they heard a bluegrass band playing and my dad just really fell in love with the mandolin uh, ended up talking to the mandolin player about getting lessons and and through those those lessons he um they got involved with another couple started a band uh called prairie grass that they had the entire time i was going to school um and i joined them when i was about nine years old i started learning how to play the fiddle and just so that I could sing in their band. Um, Cause in a bluegrass band, everybody has to play something. And, yeah. and so I said, well, you don't have a fiddle. I'll learn that yeah. so I can be in the band. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, you know, we, we played regionally around Minnesota, Northern Iowa, got as far as the geographical center of South Dakota. We played on a Buffalo farm, yeah. got paid in a Buffalo hide and a cook stove. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, but it, you know, it was a good way to grow up and uh, have a lot of really great memories from that time. Awesome. Awesome. So you grew up in Minnesota. How did you kind of find your way down to, uh, Tennessee? Well, when I was 16, there was an album that came out by a band called Lou Reed, Terry Bauckham in Carolina, and it was called Carolina Moon. And, um, they got a man named Jack Toddle to do the liner notes for the album. Uh, because the bass player had been through the program at East Tennessee State University that uh, Jack Toddle founded. Um, And when I read those liner notes and found out there was a place where I could go to get credit for playing bluegrass music, I told my parents I was going. Hmm. And uh, again, I was 16 and I was a homebody. And, uh, and they said, yeah, right. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going, I'm going to do this. And um, so we ended up making a, a two-year plan to get me down there. I ended up doing post-secondary option for college, and, which is something, I, I don't know if they do this other places, but in Minnesota, if you're supposed to be in high school, but 
you qualified to go to college, um, you can, you know, uh, get, get that college credit. And mm-hmm. um, so I did that for a year, about an hour away from home. And then I went 24 hours away from home down to Johnson City, Tennessee, and finished up my degree at East Tennessee State University. That's awesome. Um, and so you're also a multi-instrumentalist. I, I kind of take it that the fiddle was your first instrument that you learned or? Well, technically the piano was my first instrument and I started that when I was five. Okay. And uh, I, you couldn't tell it now that, that I played for as long as I did because I've, I've let that fall by the wayside. But fiddle is my main instrument. I play clawhammer banjo and some guitar too. And then I kind of dog paddle on a whole lot of other instruments. <laughs> I see the uh, big old uh, upright behind you. And it was just, it reminds me of my dad's, except my dad's story for his upright is kind of funny. He found it in the bottom of a church and like with a broken neck. I don't know. So, Uh and it was always one of those things that it was just kind of decoration until one New Year's Eve, he broke it out and actually started playing it. And I was like, Uh oh, I didn't know you actually knew how to play it. And he's like, yeah, I used to play it for years. And I'm like, okay so um yeah. so you just released a new album back in yes. october correct right? yes october 30th october 30th yep. it's called uh distance in time uh mm-hmm. what's kind of the story behind this album um how long have you kind of been working on it you know all that fun stuff well um this is actually the fastest that we've been able to turn an album around um we got in the studio last november and uh, cut a bunch of the tracks and uh um finished up i actually cut the very last tracks for this um the day before the world shut down Mm -hmm. so um but but uh, the, the plan behind this album was to stay rooted in tradition but reach further forward um we we um have a variety of styles of bluegrass on here from very traditional to very progressive. Um, most of the album is cut with bluegrass instrumentation, you know, mm-hmm. mandolin, fiddle, guitar, banjo. Um, and, um, um, but we do have drums on one cut. Uh, yeah. We got Chris Brown and his drums of renown from the Sam Bush band yeah. to come in and, and cut drums on a song called Salt and Light. It's a gospel song i've got the isaacs to come in and sing harmonies on that nice. too which was just awesome their angelic voices yeah. um that's you know it's interesting because it took me a few years of like listening to bluegrass for somebody to tell me why putting drums on a bluegrass or on a, if you're like a traditional bluegrass fan why drums are not a thing that they want to yeah. hear and it was just like I mean, I get it, but you can't get mad at a band if they just kind of want to push the limitations of Well, it, it, it was a first for me, and it was really fun. And we got the track back, and we're like, is that us? <laughs> really? Can we have one of those all the time? <laughs> it was fun. And Chris is amazing, and it just gave the song such an amazing groove. Awesome, awesome. Um, and so when you sat, when you started working on this album, what was kind of the process as far as song selection? Did you write specifically for this album or were you, had you always kind of been writing and then you just started picking songs for the album? Well, I always have a, a backlog of songs and, um, and th- there were, there was one song particular that, that didn't make the last album that my producer insisted had to be on this album that was called You Come Around. And I wrote that one with Jeff Hyde and John Pinnell um, and got to sing it with Ronnie Bowman, which was awesome. Um, Cause I've, I've been in love with Ronnie Bowman's voice since I was about 16. Um, so really, I, you know, I just put together a wish list of songs and then got together with my producer, Stephen Mojan, and we went through and, and kind of haggled over what, what was going to make the record. And um, most of it's, it's, um, I mean, I'm happy with all the songs on here. And uh, there were a few that I wish could have made it, but, you know, we, we cut it down to 13. Um, we've got two cover songs on here and the rest are songs that I either wrote or co-wrote. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, as far as like writing goes, what's your creative process? Oh man, well these days, um, because I have so many plates spinning, I have to do a lot of co-writing. I had a co-writing session this morning with my friend Rick Lang and it just felt so good to get back in the saddle with writing. Mm -hmm. um, and and I have to, it's because I have so many things going, I've, I've got to create that time and that appointment gets me into the right headspace to write. Mm -hmm. And then usually after that, I'll be all jazzed up about writing and work on some of my own stuff too. Um, but it's, it's hard being a band leader and a mom and a teacher. Um, I do um, private music lessons mm -hmm. too. It, it's just, it's a lot going on. Yeah, <laughs> and so, so writing, unfortunately, writing takes a back seat and it's one of the things I love to do the most. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, are you very spontaneous with your writing or are you one of the musician are you a musician that if you say because everything your life is so jam-packed with everything else being a mother managing the band being a teacher that you tell yourself okay i've got a from 6 p.m to 8 p.m free that's when i can write are you very yeah. structured or are you very <laughs> like no i am not structured and i really probably need to be um, I, I have to kind of let the muse move me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I guess as the stru most structured that I get is to set those writing appointments with other writers. Yeah. <laughs> but at least with that, you know, if it ends up being a good writing session, you know, you're going to be jazzed about writing and you're probably going to be a lot more mm -hmm. free flowing. Yeah. Yes, definitely. That, that day, it's just kind of like, always have your phone by you or always have your pen and paper mm -hmm. or, you know, so that's, that's really interesting. Um, were you concerned about releasing this album during a pandemic? Like, absolutely. Yes. What was their thoughts <laughs> yes. about me? Cause like it, music nowadays, I've talked to a lot of musicians where they're kind of of the mindset that releasing single, especially during the pandemic, because they don't know how long it's going to be before they can get out and tour and all that stuff. So they want to stay on top of the Spotify algorithm as long as they can. So they took, they had plans for like a EP and LP, whatever, whatever it was. And instead they just started releasing singles so that they could get longer legs off of it. Was there yeah. thought about doing that instead or because bluegrass is more of a, traditional style and with albums and EPs and LPs. Yeah, we, we didn't talk about releasing singles. Um, uh, we did release three singles hmm. from this album, The Barber's Fiddle back in March and um, and then More Heartless Attack. Uh, let's see, when was that? At the end of May, I think. Mm -hmm. And then um, tell the truth, shame the devil that came out in July. So we, you know, we were, we have been stringing things along and we had been planning for the album to come out in July, but we pushed it back first to this, to September. And then as those, those gigs disappeared, you know, um, we tried to pair the album release with a gig. Um, but of course all those disappeared. So then we pushed it back as far as we could, um, for for the label to feel comfortable and and it came out um october 30th yeah absolutely absolutely you know and like right now i kind of feel like our end of october was a really good time to start releasing music because it felt like we were gonna start seeing the return of live music and things were gonna start opening back up and then as we talked about before we jumped on here mm -hmm. now you're starting to see all the numbers skyrocket and right. it's like, well, probably not, you know. Stay hunkered down, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, have, um, I have about 350 copies of my CD here at my house. <laughs> and if anybody's interested, you can get them on my website. Have you, yeah. did you ever, um, have you ever experimented with like pressing vinyl or do you primarily just do CDs? Well, I have not because my audience is, not the the 
the um, demographic that normally buys vinyl. Mm -hmm. And so we've stuck with CDs for now because uh, bluegrass fans still like to have the CDs. Okay. Gotcha. So uh, the bluegrass fans are, are some of the last to click over to the new technology. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I was, I'm talking about vinyl records. Right. I, oh, I, yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as like they're, uh, you know, switching over to downloads is, yeah. is even, I mean, you've got some people that'll buy both. They'll do mm -hmm. the downloads and they'll buy a CD. Yeah. Um, uh, Bluegrass fans still like to read the liner notes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, unfortunately I haven't been playing to crowds that usually buy the vinyl. Okay. So, um, so we haven't experimented with that yet. Gotcha. I gotcha. Cause I was, you know, kind of doing this throughout the pandemic it's interesting to see how like what was old is now becoming new again right like, vinyl and i mean vinyl's been making a resurgence probably for the last two years not mm -hmm. you know it, uh, specifically more now than usual but i've even started seeing that like old cassettes like yeah fans are starting to print on cassettes again it is like <laughs> that is the worst media Stop. i i have all these mixtapes that i just cannot throw away because yeah. there's so many memories connected to them yeah absolutely um so you also released a music video am i correct for barber's fiddle we it, did yes okay. what, what, yeah. what was what was it about that song that you thought uh, about doing a music video for it? Well, it just had a great story. So it, it just lent itself to a music video. And we filmed it right here in Manchester, Tennessee, my adopted hometown, and uh, filmed it at Cutshaw's Classic Barber Shop. So if you're in town and you need a trim, go check out Cutshaw's Classic Barber Shop um, right in the center of town. <laughs> and um, and this this song was um, based on it, the lives of three fiddling barbers. Mm. Um, we used the name of Mr. Gene Boyd and used his barbershop, the Star Barbershop in um, Bristol, Virginia, as our setting for the song. Um, but it was also inspired by Mr. Billy Womack from Woodbury, Tennessee, and an anonymous barber. <laughs> that somebody people come up to me and they tell me stories when I'm out on the road, and someone came up and told me the the story that became the skeleton of this song um well i i was i was at dollywood and someone just came up and told me the story of this fiddling barber that had tried to make it on the road and um just couldn't make a living at it so he came back home and took up barbering um so you know everything in a songwriter's life is material and there are ideas everywhere you just got to keep your ears open so i'm, I'm always doing that i'm always writing um ideas down on the list on my phone and uh gotcha. gotta email that list to myself every so often just in case my phone dies i need to do that again yeah i got you completely <laughs> yeah um do you have plans for a, another music video after that or is it we do we do we got a little bit behind okay um just with covid and everything but uh we're we're planning to Put out a music video for "Don't Look Back," which is the lead-off track on the record, and uh, so I'm going to be filming that here in a couple weeks. Awesome, awesome. Well, hopefully, assuming that they don't shut everything right. down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but no, that's awesome. You know, it's always awesome to see all these music videos that people are producing and releasing, like from like independent artists all the way up to the big name artist you know just kind of seeing the whole gamut of music videos and some of the creativity is just amazing mm -hmm. and like just what able what some people are able to do with just the resources they have at hand it's it's really awesome yeah we've been as my, my band has been able to do a couple quarren jam videos okay. um so people can see those on our facebook or on our youtube channel awesome awesome so you brought up the band how did the band kind of come together? Was it always the idea of you having your own band or did you originally think maybe you just kind of be doing your own solo acoustic stuff or solo bluegrass project or like what was kind of the idea behind the band originally? Um, well, I, I, um, 
I like, I like the band. I like having the people around me and, um, more so than doing the solo stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I came out with my tween earth and sky record in 20, 2014, um, I, I kind of painted myself into a corner and I finally had to become my own band leader. (laughs) I had been working for other people up to that point. Um, but I needed to be out there to sell the record and, um, and, and so the, the band came together and had a bunch of different people come through, but, uh, currently the lineup is Nate Lee on the mandolin mm-hmm. and Professor Dan Boner on guitar, Ned Luberecki, the 2018 IBMA banjo player of the year on banjo and, uh, Daniel Harden on the bass. And they're a lot of fun to work with and, um, they, they just make my job so much easier. Nice, nice. Um, and that, how long has that current lineup been together? About four years. Okay. And mm-hmm. the band's been together longer, like the band as uh, the Becky Buller band's been together longer than that, I take it? Oh, well, five years. <laughs> five years, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that's cool. That, well, you know, it's really awesome to see or have a band that stays together in its entirety like without like minor lineup changes because i feel like that's a lot more common this day and age where yeah people don't stay as long as they used to it seems i mean unless you're like out nationally touring every day and got like big record deals big tour deal you know just like you're able to like really sustain yourself and you know and they're just like creatively fulfilled during the project. Yeah, it's 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 a delicate balance of too much, too many gigs, and yeah. and not enough gigs. <laughs> and for me, um, and and my band, we've pretty much remained weekend warriors. Um, we all have our our main gig at home. You know, my main gig is I'm Romy's mama, and uh, and then uh, you know doing the teaching on the side and. Um, but like Professor Dan uh, is the head of the East Tennessee State University Bluegrass Program. Oh, wow. um, Nate has a, a thriving um, uh, um, uh, teaching business. He does a lot of one-on-one teaching. Ned does a lot of teaching and works also for Sirius XM Satellite mm-hmm. Radio. And then um, Daniel Harden works at Jack Daniels here in Lynchburg, oh. Tennessee. Yeah. So, a- so you know, there, there hasn't been the pressure to have so many gigs you know like to be on the road all the time we just can't do that but um i'm grateful we've been able to you know maintain the number of gigs that we have and um so you know usually we do about 40 dates a year or so in, it's like you in knew a normal what I, time what i was going to ask next <laughs> talking about your gigs and i was gonna the question is going to be when there is a global pandemic how many shows do you usually play yeah now are those the out of the roughly 40 shows a year are they all primarily tennessee or do you get out for like how far do you usually go for shows we've gone all over the place um from coast to coast last year we were up in washington state and then the next week literally i was (laughs) i had to get a i had to get like map um uh, I, I, I took a picture of the map in Washington state and then the next weekend I was in Rhode Island. So I took a picture of that, um, you know, the, the pin drop and, uh, yeah. and made a Facebook post about it. But yeah, literally in, within a week I was, I went from coast to coast, um, last, last July, not the, not this past July, obviously I've been home, <laughs> I was home, but, uh, in 2019. Um, so yeah, we just, we, we go all over the place. We don't get to play in Tennessee all that much because yeah. it's, um, you know, there's so much music here yeah. and, uh, um, yeah, most of, most of what we do has been out and about. You go down to Florida a lot, especially during the winter times. We haven't. Um, I used to play in Florida quite a bit. I haven't made it down there, uh, as, um, you know, with my own band, hopefully we'll make it down there soon. Yeah. Because they've, got a lot of bluegrass music that happens during the winter they do they like, do so, uh i was talking to justin mason and he was telling me like from january until about march it's like the winter 
winter haven for bluegrass players just because yes. there's always a show or there's always a festival or something going on from about january to march mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh that's awesome um so you've been for the last seven months you've been working on your own project what's really now that your album's released and it's been out for two weeks right is that i i don't even know <laughs> i'm losing track of time too yeah. Week and a half, right? Yeah, it's yeah, been about a week yes. and a half. Oh, yeah. w- what's going through your mind now that the album's out and there's nothing left to do but promote? And yeah, like, what's going on <laughs> right now? Yeah, well, I'm I'm grateful to the people who have already ordered uh, physical copies online. And uh, you can do that at BeckyBuller.com. And Buller is spelled just like it sounds. B as in boy, U-L-L-E-R, BeckyBuller.com. <laughs> And uh, there's there's links on the front page uh, of the website that will get you to uh, all the digital um, outlets and and a link to order the physical copy of the CD, which I will sign for you. <laughs> um, so I you know I'm I'm just thinking about that and hoping that that you know we can sell yeah. sell some of these copies of it and uh, looking forward to getting back on the road whenever we can. Right now. Um, our, our first date for 2021 is February 13th up in Minnesota. Okay. Ooh, that's going to be and a rough time to be in Minnesota. I know, I'm sure, but I'm sure it's I don't have to tell country. you that. <laughs> I know it's my home country. And so um, I'm looking forward to going back there. If, if we're able, um, yeah. hopefully we'll be able. I, I have a, I, cause I'm from Chicago originally. I live, okay. in, Tec- I live in Texas now, but unless i have a very strict rule unless it's for a family holiday or for a holiday or a death i don't go to chicago between the months of november and about april yeah that's smart i just don't do it anymore (laughs) just because it is so cold and i haven't lived in chicago since 2009 so it's been 11 years I've gotten it out of my system yeah I yeah I I have lost my antifreeze yeah. um my husband makes fun of me because I get chilled real easily yeah. and uh and he's a polar bear he likes to keep the house cold <laughs> yeah my my mom's the exact same way because in two when I left to go to school they moved to uh South Florida and so now it's just kind of like my mom's says every time I talk to her, yep, I'm never moving back to Chicago. Like even uh-huh. if like even if I had to go live with your sister, it would not happen. And it's like what? I mean I, I'm not arguing with you. I wouldn't move back to Chicago either, but um you know it, it's just one of those things where it's like once you leave and kind of get out of the mentality of the cold rugged ruggedness of the winters, it, it's kind of hard to go back. Yeah, people in my hometown will walk around with their coats open uh, or or without a coat at all when it gets up to zero. <laughs> yeah, wow. Because when I was, uh, actually, when I graduated college, there was a point there where I was going to move up to, uh, like, North North Dakota, like, up in... Oh, Wisconsin. yeah. And it at that point, it was July... And this was like during the fracking boom. So like everything mm-hmm. up there was insanely expensive. And I, I was talking to my dad. He's like, do you really want to live there? And I'm like, I, I mean, it's kind of cool. He's like, just let me tell you this. It's warm and nice now, but wait until <laughs> October, November hits. Uh-huh. And it's not going to be so nice anymore. I'm like, yeah. ah, okay. So. Yeah. Let, needless to say that didn't last more than a couple of weeks so uh-huh. but um so what's keeping you motivated right now like obviously everything's kind of like dim and it's like I don't know if we're going to be playing shows at all anytime soon mm-hmm. but what's keeping you motivated right now well the the lessons I've been teaching have been really helping me um I just I appreciate the people that have invited me to work with them and and help them realize their musical goals, but they're helping me because it gives me something to 
get up and get ready for. <laughs> and uh, so I, I really appreciate them and um, I hope they're having fun. Yeah. How often do you do uh, your uh, lessons or your classes? I teach on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Okay. So, okay. And, so is, we, and it's weekly. With, okay. With weekly. Folks. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And it, it's, is it like a multi-person class or is it usually just more of a one-on-one -on -one type thing? I, I haven't ventured into trying to do any multi-person events. Um, yeah. I see other people doing it and uh, I need to do it at some point, but everything I've been doing right now is one-on-one. -on -one. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, I did want to kind of talk about the IBMA because I've, I've had a few different bluegrass musicians on here, but I've never, we've never really went in and talked about it, but you won a few awards through them for the people mm -hmm. that aren't familiar with bluegrass and the IBMA. What, what kind of is the international bluegrass music association? Well, the IBMA is the trade organization um, that represents all of bluegrass music. Um, and they have a conference once a year where everybody gets together and talks about the business of bluegrass music. And they hold uh, the award show um, during that week. So that all happened the last week of September. Okay. And it usually happens in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, at least for the last several years, that's where it's been. This year, it was all online, which was different. Yeah. But um, I, I hear that they had really good numbers, though. So that's exciting. Yeah. That's my only concern about all the online stuff, having good numbers, is I have the fear of even when things start to go back to normal, they're going to start doing a lot more things online. And it, it scares me. A yeah, bit. I, it's just not the same um, as being in person. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's I, that, that energy. I, I think it's the, energy. yes, I think that, yes, I think you're right. Yeah. It's well put. <laughs> um, but you did win. You were the first female to win uh fiddle player of the year through, I'm guessing through IBMA, correct? Yes. yes. Um, what, what year was that, that you that was 2016. Okay. And uh, what for, for that award, what is that kind of uh, based on? Like, is it just like, how do the, how, what's that award kind of based on? Or how do they kind of decide a award? Well, uh, it's uh, based on, um, you know, what recordings you've put out during the year and also touring. Okay. Okay. So, and it, it's voted on by the professional membership of the IBMA. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I was just kind of curious. I like, I had a feeling that's kind of what it was, but I didn't, I didn't know if it was like just music, your original music or touring. Like I, you know, I, so I figured I'd ask. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So what other than music, what, what do you do to kind of <laughs> Get away. <laughs> like if you if you need that, to. that is a really good question and it's something that I need to explore yeah. uh, further because I I need a hobby I really do <laughs> so if anybody out there has some suggestions for me I'd, I'd appreciate it if you'd post them in the comments below because yeah. <laughs> uh because I music is all consuming for me and yeah. uh some some days it just chews me up and spits me out and um, I do enjoy baking. Yeah. Uh, I need to do some of that, especially with Thanksgiving coming up. Yep. I, uh, I need to be doing some of that. I always make uh, Grandma Malloy's uh, famous roll recipe for yeah. that. That's my contribution to the Thanksgiving meal. Nice. Um, uh, I can knit lopsided washcloths and endless scarves. <laughs> I, I enjoy reading. Yeah. Um, and getting out to hike, uh, we got to uh, we got out this weekend to hike, and that just felt so good. We went to Old Stone Fort Archaeological Area, which is uh, here in Manchester, Tennessee. It's a a two thousand year old um, um, it, uh, built by the Woodland Indian Indians okay. for ceremonial purposes. Um, and uh, it's a beautiful park. If you're ever in Manchester, get a haircut at Cutshaw's Classic 
the barbershop <laughs> and uh, go to Old Stone Fort State Park. Gotcha. Awesome. That's, you know, hobbies are always good. Like, especially <laughs> when your life is so, I don't want to say one dimensional, but like you focus so heavily on one thing. Mm-hmm. Just kind of having that one thing that like, even for like an hour, once a week, just to kind of take your mind off of something, you know? Yeah. It It's, it, it's really interesting for me because I, th- this will maybe make you happy. Ever since I started listening to bluegrass music, I've always been fascinated with fiddle players. Okay. Like, like just listening to them and just kind of like the, the, the feel and the vibe and the energy it brings to the music. Like just, mm-hmm. just, I don't know, for me, it's just like, all right, awesome. I love a good fiddle player. And since the pandemic started, I've been trying to find a left-handed fiddle. Uh-huh. But I've come to realize that that's not going to be as easy as I wanted to because it goes back to the old viol- or like the violin and orchestra. If you tried to learn how to play left-handed, they would beat that out of you and teach you how to play right-handed because everything uh-huh. has to, oops, everything in the orchestra has to be symmetrical. Oh, okay. And so, you know, they didn't like having left-handed fiddles or violins just wasn't a thing that was very common. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody that lives, I know she's from Texas, but she doesn't live in Texas anymore. And she's like, well, you could just take a right-handed fiddle and string it backwards. And I'm like, that makes too much sense. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. So have you tried it yet? No, I haven't actually gotten to, uh, found a right-handed fiddle because I need to a full everything that i have or everything that i've seen has been for like smaller um like for beginners or children Uh everything that i've seen yeah and so i need there's a pawn shop that actually has a lot of musical instruments so i go in there every once in a while and see okay so that is the plan of attack so you're you're on the lookout for one yet yeah Mm -hmm. and at this point it's just a matter of it doesn't really matter to me right now if it's good a good fiddle versus bad fiddle. I just kind of want to learn how to, I just want to learn how to play. And right. once I get notes down and all that stuff, then I'll start worrying about, oh, does this sound good versus mm-hmm. not sound good, you know. I I have the hardest time watching a left-handed fiddler because everything's backwards. Yeah. And it and it it makes my eyes cross. <laughs> And I, I know some really good left-handed fiddlers too. I mean, they're insanely good. And I, I have to close my eyes when I listen to them. <laughs> well, my original plan was to get a right-handed fiddle and just learn how to play backwards. Uh-huh. And then my buddy who, or I have like my audio engineer and uh, another guy that helps us do the live and amplified stuff. They're both musicians. And they told me how asinine that would be because nobody could teach me how to play if I learned how to play backwards. Uh-huh. And I was just like, okay, fine. Uh, you win. I, I won't learn how to play backwards. Although that would be very unique and interesting. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, if are, are you able to pick it up on your own, do you think? Or will you, will you need lessons? Um, right now, I think initially just, I don't know yet. Because it's yeah. been so long since I've tried to learn how to play an instrument. Like, oh, okay. I, I haven't played an instrument since the fourth, ga- fourth grade uh, okay. fourth grade band. So I don't know. But mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll see. Like, if okay. I need lessons, I will definitely reach out to you and see. Oh, yeah. Well, I wasn't asking for that. I yeah. was just, you know, if you, if you are able to pick it up on your own backwards. Yeah. You know. Yeah. If you if you uh, think you're able to kind of work on it on your own. Well, and that for me that wasn't the most optimal idea, mm-hmm. but it was just like if all the left-handed fiddles I saw were like four to five times more expensive than a oh, right yeah. fiddle. And right. I was just like I'd rather pay like at least now learning, I'd rather pay a quarter of the price just to see a if it's something that i can pick up 
yeah versus investing all this money into something and then yeah. trying to learn it backwards i was going to set myself self up for failure yeah well and and a few lessons when you first get started is very helpful and the fiddle is one of the most difficult instruments to learn because of the bow yeah because the, the, the bow has its own you you have your own yeah. technique <laughs> right right and and the bow it smells fear <laughs> And it will run away. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. I gotcha. I mean, I mean it, it's just one of those things. Like, I, I want to, like, whenever I go to these bluegrass festivals, I've always, like, my, well, one of the guys that I work with, he could pick up the upright and just kind of jump in and fake his way through a jam session. Well, not fake his way, but make it, make his way through a jam session because he mm -hmm. knows how to play bass and he played a little bit of upright growing up like just through his musical journey and like just being able to participate in a jam session is really all i want to accomplish at this point mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so even if that means just learning a couple of the standards yeah and jumping into it so yeah you can do it yeah thank you i appreciate You're that welcome. i <laughs> i i'm determined now you know it's it's kind of been one of those things where I wish that I hadn't dropped out of the fourth grade school band or whatever it was because, mm -hmm. but then back when I was in fourth grade, nine years old, 10 years old, however old I was, I wasn't going to practice. Like yeah. I was busy playing baseball and doing other things. I wasn't, you know, just, just wasn't one of the things that I was going to do. So, yeah, but I don't want to keep you too much longer because it is Monday night. It is, I don't know, later. It's, you know, but what's kind of the plan moving forward with your music pandemic pending? Right. Um, you know, getting back on the road. Um, and uh, like I mentioned before, we're um, our next thing is February 13th up in Red Wing, Minnesota. And we'll have more about that as we get closer to it. If we're able to go, <laughs> if, uh, you know, um, yeah. if COVID willing, we'll, yeah. we'll be uh, headed up there. Um, I, um, I'm going to do a, a social media takeover uh, at The Boot this Thursday okay. night uh, at 7.30. So please check that out on the, the Boot's Facebook page and also their Instagram. And, and Ned Luberecki is going to be joining me for that. We're going to do a, a duo set so please check that out and let me think what else um um uh, just uh keep an eye on my social media and i'll post things as they come up um but um and we have things on the book uh, on the books for next summer too um so hopefully hopefully this is gonna um it, hopefully we'll get it be able to get back to some sort of normal mm -hmm. um I'm not digging the new normal. Yeah, no, and definitely not. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm enjoying being able to go to shows and not being shoulder to shoulder with people. Mm -hmm. But when it's one of those things where, like, if I happen to know the manager of the band or whoever, and they're calling me saying, hey, are you almost here? If not, don't even bother coming because we're already at capacity or we're very close to capacity you know, it, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, mm. that's not fun. Like, well, and, and even then, um, you know, people are, people are nervous about getting into crowds anymore. Yeah. So are people going to come out to, to shows? Are they willing to do that? And then you've got other people that are like, you know, I, they, they want to go, they want to, they want to hear music. Um, and, and they're willing to go. So it's, it's, man, it's just, what's yeah. the right answer? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I wish I knew. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Where's um one place that you haven't had a chance yet to play that you really want to play? Austin city limits. Okay. Just down the road from us. Uh, hey. So. It, it, it's interesting because I was listening to, uh, I was uh, uh, watching a, uh, a live stream with a musician from here in Waco. She lives up in Kansas City now and she'll do like trivia every night or every Wednesday on her live stream. 
and Austin City Limits was, uh, I think this was the live stream for like right around Willie Nelson's birthday, I think it was. Uh And I think that's what it was. It was Willie Nelson having something or had a part of making Austin City Limits what it is. Okay. Yeah. But so that that's that's my Austin City Limits story. Okay. <laughs> it's a little weird. Sorry about that. Oh, um, you're fine. Where where are you at uh, creatively right now? Are you already working towards your next album, or are you because you're always writing? Are you th- already thinking about your next album, or where are you kind of at creatively right now? Oh well, my uh, I'm I haven't started thinking towards that next record yet because um, I'm you know, I'm busy I'm taking care of this one that just came out. <laughs> I got so, you. Yeah, so so really just um just focusing on the on uh doing the publicity for this and and um this album and and uh and the teaching and and uh, and trying to to write. I'm trying to get things calmed down so that I can do some more writing. Um, as I mentioned before, that's, um, that's one of my very favorite things to do is to write. Yeah, absolutely. You know, cause mm-hmm. it's always, it's always interesting to see how musicians kind of transition out from an album. Like once they release it, you know, some musicians, mm-hmm. they like to just kind of let the album live for a little bit and then they start to worry about their mm-hmm. next, next project or the album's out. Let's start recording the next, you know. Yeah, it just kind of depends on where their priority is. Right, right. So, so, um, um, yeah, I'm not to the next album yet. <laughs> not, okay. not quite yet. Soon. Awesome. So, before I let you go, I have one very important question to ask you. Pineapple pizza, yes or no? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I I love Canadian bacon pizza without yeah. the pineapple. Okay. Actually, I, but, Canadian bacon, get, get, you get like the meat lover's pizza with Canadian bacon on it. it well, that's, that's good too. When I was a kid, uh, we would always get um, a half and half uh, Canadian bacon, half Canadian bacon, half sausage green olive. Because okay. my dad loves sausage green olive. Okay. <clears throat> but I would, we'd, we'd never get the pineapple on it. I mean, yeah. I, I'll eat the pineapple if it's there, but I, I prefer just... No. Just yeah. straight up Canadian bacon. And you we'd get can, that from Jake's Pizza in, in my hometown, St. James, Minnesota. You're only confirming my theory. Pineapple pizza is a coastal and southern thing. Okay. Because like Midwest, it's like, no, just give us the cheese and the meat and we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to be part of the experiment. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's... <laughs> That that was one of the things. I don't know where that came from originally, but I I think I was doing a interview that was getting a little um, like I could tell the person was nervous. Uh-huh. We were talking, and I just threw that question out there, and it threw him so far off the center <laughs> that it just kind of loosened him up, and I was just like, "All right, cool. Now we can." Well, let me let me ask you this one: duck duck gray duck or duck duck goose? Uh, it was always. Duck, duck, goose. Okay. Yeah. I I wonder if it was just my hometown that we did duck, duck, gray duck. I, like <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember, but no, for us it was always duck, duck, goose. And it, yeah, for us it was all these different colored ducks. Okay. And then gray duck, and you know you that it, was yeah. that person was it. So yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm wondering. I'm I'm pretty sure it's it was my hometown. Um, Wait. <laughs> maybe you I know. know like i remember at a point where we'd change it up so it wasn't always duck duck goose but it was always like something 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 goose so we uh-huh. change it up to just kind of mess with people and uh-huh. it would be like elephant frog leg um giraffe goose you know just try and mess with them a little bit but uh-huh. it like it was always duck duck goose mm-hmm so cool um so where can everybody kind of find you online where can they find your music 
uh, you can get to everything um, more about me, um, all our social media pages um, by going to BeckyBuller.com. And that's B-E-C-K-Y, B as in boy, U-L-L-E-R, BeckyBuller.com. And thank you all in advance for checking it out. Thanks for being with us tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. I had a chance to listen to the album. It's amazing. Like I've, thank you. Like like I'd mentioned, I've been just diving into bluegrass a lot more, and it, it's it's really like just seeing the white. Like you, when you listen to bluegrass, or when you think of bluegrass, you think of one specific type and sound. Where it's like you got the banjo, you got the mandolin, you got the fiddle, and then maybe you'll have a flat picker in there and you know now that, that's kind of like the general makeup and then you really start diving deep into bluegrass and it's like nope you can have like a whole genre and completely different sounds and then you've got like mm -hmm. your punk and bluegrass you got like traditional bluegrass you got your experimental bluegrass and it's mm -hmm. just it like just all the sub genres within one genre yeah. is really awesome. It's a it's a great big family tree. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of branches on it. Yeah, and, and like any family tree, some parts don't like other parts. It, <laughs> it, it, it's when I heard that, like I was at the Baygrass Bluegrass Festival one year, mm -hmm. and I was talking to one of one of the friends that I had started making after being there for four or five years, and he's like, "Oh, you're working with this band." yeah we met him last night and you know we're gonna we're gonna do an acoustic session with them he's like well you know they're not real bluegrass right and i'm like <laughs> what he's like yeah they have a drum player and i'm like oh geez here we go again yeah. i'm not going yeah. down this rabbit i'm yeah. not going down this rabbit hole so you know. yeah they're they're bluegrass has its purists and and um I, you know I, that's okay i just i hope we can all get along <laughs> you know and I, I'm especially once this pandemic's over it's just kind of like all right I, I can't wait to get back to that first festival and just like enjoy the moment because right you know yeah, we're, last... we're we're created for community yeah absolutely absolutely you know it's I felt like I took the last one a little bit for granted it was just kind of like mm -hmm. I've been here before we'll be here next year so I'm not like at, well, not that I'm not as jazzed, but it's just kind of like I felt like I took it for granted. Mm -hmm. So I I totally understand. Yeah, but um, once again, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciate you giving us the time to sit down here and chat. Um, uh, can you hit them one more time with the uh, website where they can find you? Sure, your Tom. Thank you for having me. Uh, the The website is beckybuller.com. That's Becky Buller. Dot com and Buller is spelled just like it sounds B is in boy U-L-L-E-R all right awesome well once again thank you so much for joining us thank you everybody for tuning in and we will catch you guys later